Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you until noon. We are taking calls in the second part of this hour, but the first half of this hour, we are talking to Erie County Democrat Chairman Jeremy Zellner. Jeremy, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing great, Jeremy. Appreciate you coming on with us this morning. Uh, and Joe and I are talking in the last segment, we left off about masks. So I want to ask you, A, how are you doing during the pandemic, you and your family? And B, do you routinely wear a mask? I do. I think if you've seen any of my interviews, anytime the media comes into the board, uh, I keep my mask on because they're obviously close to us. Or if we shoot a video, uh, our staff is close to us. I'm actually with my family right now. My goddaughter just graduated from North Tonawanda High School, Kaya. And um, we're on a we took a limo bus uh, to her graduation because you could only take one vehicle. So I have a mask on in the in the bus right now with my family here doing the interview, sneaking you guys in. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking the time when you're in the midst of a, a family celebration. Uh, sure. Jeremy, uh, your 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 uh, reaction uh, to what happened with the race, the special election, the rather unusual two for one election uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, with Chris Jacobs seemingly having a very big win over Nate McMurray. Uh, how, how did you uh, analyze it? How surprised were you? Well, we, everyone understood that it was a difficult race to win. I mean, the district is one of the most conservative in the nation, and for the president to have to come in, and, you know, I, I understand Chairman Langworthy was, you know, trumpeting what a great victory. For them to have to pull out the entire Trump family, the entire federal government to come here and help out, uh, Chris Jacobs to pull him across the finish line in one of the toughest conservative districts in the country really shows you something. Um, it wasn't a huge surprise that Jacobs was uh, appears to be successful. We've got a lot of votes to count here. We've got more votes that were cast uh, in Erie County uh, by paper uh, than we've ever had before. And so we've got to count every vote just like we do on every election. But I think it shows you something that they had to bring in the entire uh, president and his family and come here and repeatedly uh, pound on uh, our candidate. Jeremy, what is the game plan for November? It's going to be a rematch, Nate McMurray and Chris Jacobs. And I don't, I, I would assume you guys, you know, will be fighting. Uh, it, will there be a campaign strategy change? Uh, what will be different in November than the election we just had? Well, we have elections across the county, across the state and, uh, Obviously, we are focused on taking our country back with uh, Vice President Biden. 
Um, we're hoping that we continue to work hard uh, for Nate McMurray and for our down ballot tickets. We've got some state legislative races that could be competitive here. Um, we plan on taking back at least one, maybe two state Senate seats for the Democratic Party. So our voice is heard in Albany now. Um, so we're just going to continue doing what we do safely. Um, we, we had virtual phone banks going on throughout the uh, last few months. Uh, people were safely making calls to voters from home. Um, there probably won't be many gatherings going forward. So that's what we're going to try to do is focus on the things we can do to keep people at home safe while also exercising uh, their campaign uh, uh, voices. Now, Jeremy, I know you work very closely with Commissioner Ralph Moore, and you had mentioned that you had many obstacles thrown in your way uh, with the four elections you ran last Tuesday. Uh, how do you mean about that? What exactly do you mean by those obstacles? Well, this was just an unprecedented day. We had, um, as you mentioned, four elections. We had New York 27 special. We had New York 27 federal primary on the Republican side. We had local primaries happening um, in minor parties as well as in state legislative races. And then we had uh, the presidential primary. So we ended up sending almost 210,000 ballots out of our board, which we've only processed maybe 24,000 in our busiest election in the past. We've received more than 150,000 at this point back uh, from the voters and counting. And so it, it was just a struggle for us to change things to mostly paper um, the polling locations, we had a handful of them uh, tell us that they didn't want us there at the last minute. We couldn't change their minds. But our staff really uh, worked really hard to make this happen. We, we had inspectors call off at the last minute. But I've got to tell you, our staff and the inspectors we had are heroes of democracy. Um, Commissioner Moore has been the commissioner and is the chair of our board for the past 27 years. Uh, he was a complete professional during this whole thing. Our staff worked in a bipartisan fashion. We had no site that was unopened on primary day. And that's a real testament uh, to, to what we've been able to do with the board as a team. You know, Jeremy, I, it struck me when I walked into the uh, voting booth the other day, uh, I go to a, a church in Williamsville on Maple Road. And generally speaking, most of the inspectors there are, are definitely elderly, uh, older folks who I presume are maybe retired or looking for something to do. And uh, it was very warm in there. It happened to be a warm day. They all had masks on. And I wondered, did you have any issues with the inspectors holding up over the long course of the day or anybody not showing up? You know, uh, you mentioned there were some issues with that. Was that something that was widespread or just kind of sporadic here and there? It was sporadic, but we were able to plug all the holes that we needed to. We sent some staff out to manage uh, some polling places. We sent some. Um, we were able to recruit. At the last minute, we held a uh, training session to get more people trained on the last day before um, a, a primary day. We were able to virtually train, I think, 20 people or something, so we can add those folks in addition to the teams that we had already trained uh, months before. So we really plugged the gaps. And again, I can't thank Commissioner Moore and our staff at the board. Um, they were working seven days a week, 15-hour days to make this happen. They're still working to process what's coming back in. Um, as I said, we've got a hell of a return rate on these. We, it looks like we're going to have over 70% return rate in the special election. So I think that shows you that we've, we got the message out about how to vote and, and how to do it safe in our county. I'm hoping we're going to be able to do this in November as well. 
Jeremy, I want to go back to NY27 for uh, just a quick question. Brenda and I were talking last hour uh, about Nate's campaign in 2018 compared to the special election campaign he ran. And I just want to know your uh, opinion. You know, in 2018, it seemed he ran a more moderate campaign and he came very close to defeating Chris Collins. This time around, it seemed like it was more to the left a campaign in a very conservative district. Uh, just your opinion. Do you think that was the right um, or wrong strategy and should maybe he go back to that 2018 game plan? Well, I don't think Nate McMurray is a flip-flopper. I think Nate is who he is. He's a fighter. He's somebody who uh, believes in what he believes in. And I don't think he's going to change the way he did anything for anybody. I I, uh, I think you saw that this election. He's not going to let go of what he believes in. And I think, um, you know, I don't think you can kind of pull back on that for November. And so he's going to campaign on what he believes in, which is a major plank of the Democratic Party, that health care is a right for people. And, and uh, I think he's got other issues he's going to champion as well. Uh, Jeremy, I wanted to talk, too, about uh, Governor Cuomo, who uh, had his daily briefings, uh, Joe called them his talk shows, basically, because he would often veer into things other than COVID-19. Uh, but in general, he received a lot of good reviews for his ability to calmly explain to people what was happening with the crisis. Uh, however, he's taken a lot of heat, which I think is justified, about uh, allowing people back into nursing homes. How do you view, A, the governor's performance, and B, his decision about those nursing homes? Well, I, I believe he was working under federal guidelines for the nursing homes. But I can just tell you that I don't know. If you look at the governor's ratings right now in the state of New York, it is very high positives. And uh, that goes to show you what we need during a pandemic, during a crisis, is strong and steady leadership. That's why we're in the situation we are in New York State with such a, a great uh, percentage with this COVID going down and bending the curve. Um, what you're seeing out of Washington is erratic, is divisive, and it's not leadership. Um, we need we, What we needed from the president and from the federal government was a unified approach to this pandemic, and we did not see one. You had, you'd had to have governors banding together two and three at a time so that their states could fall under some kind of guidelines instead of being able to have um, one direction from the federal government instead of a hands-off approach that this president took. And it cost tens of thousands of lives. Well, certainly the decision about the nursing homes that Governor Cuomo made seems ill-advised. And just from you know a common-sense approach, if that's the most vulnerable population, why would you allow them back into the nursing homes? And it just doesn't seem to, to jibe with that. Uh, do you have second thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I'm not going to monday morning quarterback what was happening in our state it, it was all happening in real time i think you know it's a more you have to take a more pragmatic approach and say what what else were the options that this governor had and i don't know what they were jeremy i want to ask oh i'm sorry brenda no, go ahead, Joe, and then I've got a question for Jeremy about the presidential race. Uh, Jeremy, about the phases in the, in the reopenings, you know, uh, a lot of people frustrated certain things that were supposed to be in phase three and then even in phase four uh, now being pulled back. Malls, gyms, movie theaters uh, are the three common ones you hear talked about. And I understand we're looking at the numbers and all that. So th I'm not I'm not uh, debating that. But there does seem to be a miscommunication from Albany to local leaders. Uh, are you seeing that? 
I, I'm I'm not. I, I know that everyone wants to jump back into this thing, but you're seeing all over the country um, governors and states that have made major mistakes to allow things just to hop back in like nothing happened. Like we didn't all invest our own all of our time at home for 100 days for nothing. And you have to use common sense. You know, folks that want to jump right open and open up the malls and businesses and get right back into it should look at what's going on in Texas and Florida right now. And it's a complete different world. We're taking things in phases here. There's, I'm, I just told you, I'm sitting on a, a limo bus with a, a face mask on. You know, my goddaughter graduated today. I would, we would have loved to have a huge, huge party and uh, be able to go to her graduation and be in an audience and see her walk across the stage. We had to drive by and wave while she graduated. It's a difficult thing. Um, people are facing challenges every day, and they're put in tough positions. But rushing back to things is clearly showing across the, the uh, you know the southern states and places like Texas that it's a bad idea. Just a few minutes left with Erie County Democratic Chairman Jeremy Zellner. Uh, Jeremy, your thoughts about... Uh, uh, Joe Biden, uh, you said, are you riding the Biden train? And uh, it seems like he's keeping uh, a pretty low profile. You know, there are a lot of jokes about him being in the basement or keeping him in the basement because people are concerned that perhaps it's better to have him somewhat controlled because you never know when the next gaffe may come. Uh, how do you feel about him as the candidate? Do you feel like he has a legitimate chance to unseat President Trump? I, absolutely. I think what the country is looking for right now is leadership, and the vice president brings that. It's clear. I, I, I've said on, the, on this show, I said the day after the president uh, was inaugurated, that I, we understand why people voted for him. He wasn't a politician. He was going to shake things up. And I think people see that things are pretty shaken up nowadays, and that's not what we want. They, they wanted things to change, and nothing has changed. It's gotten worse. You need somebody who's going to walk in the door on day one and show leadership and get things in order for this country to help people and not divide us up. I think that's what the vice president brings. Okay, and I, here's a question about uh, the, Joe Biden as well, Jeremy. And there's a lot of speculation about who his running mate might be. And he's talked about a woman of color. Any idea or any uh, inclination about who we might pick and who you would like to see in the number two spot with Joe Biden? Well, early on in this whole uh, process, I was a big supporter of Senator uh, Kamala Harris to be the president, and I think she can step in and do the job on day one. She ran the Justice Department for one of the largest uh, economies in the world. Uh, she, she knows how to get things done and could step in and be the president on day one. I'd like to see her chosen. I think our governor has done a tremendous job and has had some uh, national um, spotlight shined on him, and, and I don't think you've seen a better leader during this pandemic. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I've been a fan of Senator Harris for a long time, and I think you're, you're going to see soon um, who, who Joe Biden's going to choose here. A, a follow-up to that, Jeremy. That's who you'd like to see him pick. Uh, you might not have an answer for this, but who would you think would be the most harmful to Vice President Biden's chance to win the White House? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. You know, I, I think the most harmful thing we have going on in the country right now is the person in the White House. Let me ask you, uh, Jeremy, talking about the president and talking about uh, Andrew Cuomo, you said the president has not been, uh, I forgot the word you used, but you said the president has not been responsive to the coronavirus pandemic, but he did help New York State 
when they asked for it, stuff that seemingly didn't need, didn't need to be had, like the ship hospital that came up here and was barely used. So I'm, I'm wondering, can you say anything positive about the president's coronavirus response? What the president needed to do, Joe, the president needed to have a national policy on this pandemic. This isn't something like you can do here in one state, here in another state, let the states do what they want. It required leadership and hands on. And we didn't see that. Um, It's great that, uh, you know, that the president uh, responded to Governor Cuomo, and I'm glad he did. Do you think if we went the whole country doing things, though, I mean, there were states at the time New York was the epicenter that were seeing barely any cases. Would it have been a smart decision to shut them down the same way New York was shut down? It would have been a smart decision to put the same type of guidelines and and reopenings on them as everyone else, or else it would not have spread to places like Florida, who had the beaches open through um, April and May uh, and were, were reluctant to shut them down. And now they are. Um, blowing up like never before with this virus. And one last one from me, Jeremy, the the governor's travel ban. It had states like Texas, Florida, and Arizona on it. I was surprised to not see California on it. Just your take. I really, I haven't really uh, paid attention to the travel bans that the governor's put on. I just, again, Joe, to get back to it, I, I think what we required was some national leadership here to put the kind of guidelines we needed on everyone in every state. There are a number of people that travel from state to state, and it just was allowing for like a sieve. Jeremy, before you go, uh, we have a texture who's asking um, about the New York State Assembly seat that uh, Robin Schimmer decided not to seek re-election on. Uh, who won that seat, and what do you see going forward with some of the, uh, the new leadership in the Democratic Party? Um, right now, as with most seats, there's still a number of ballots to be counted. So no one, other than Chris Jacobs, there hasn't been anyone who's declared victory uh, out there. Um, so there's a, there's there's something like eight thousand ballots, give or take, in that seat that 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 are uh, that are still out there to be counted. And um, I think the race is uh, there is decided by two points right now on election day and, and early voting. So that that seat is just not. Um, you know, it's too close to call. We're going to make sure we count every ballot. Um, we've got a number of new legislators. We've got Assemblymember Monica Wallace, um, Assemblymember Karen McMahon, Assemblymember Pat Burke. We've flipped those three seats from Republican to Democrat in the last six years, uh, and they're doing a great job in Albany. They're bringing home the resources we need. They're working together as a team. We used to see that um, when we had a strong delegation here in Western New York, and I think you're going to see that again especially if, with Sean Ryan going to the state Senate this year, hopefully, and maybe we can pick up another seat here as well. We need to have our voice in western New York and Albany. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, Sunday morning. And with the election coming up, I know we'll be talking to you as November approaches. Thank you both. Take care. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And, Joe, I particularly appreciate it with Jeremy being on a limo bus celebrating his goddaughter's uh graduation up <laughs> what would we do without cell phones no i'm i'm so glad he, uh, he was able to uh, fit us in and and also glad that we're able to have these get-togethers again safely throw a mask on uh but just to be able to see some people that we haven't seen for a few months is uh it, it really reminds you how important social interaction is the things you can't get through a text message Yes, and actually we welcome your calls, too, on Jeremy's comments about Joe Biden's leadership potential and Kamala Harris as his pick uh, for Biden is the, the VP. Who do you like to see 
Uh, who would you like to see President Trump run against, Biden, and what pre vice presidential candidate makes sense to you? Uh, and there's all sorts of information, too, about uh, the, the shutdowns, too, Joe. I'm curious if anybody's listening from Florida. What's it like in the Sunshine State right now? Not very, uh, not very pleasant with everything shutting back down. So 803-0930 is the number to call. And certainly if you want to text, we welcome that as well. 716-80, very much so. Yeah, there's a, a definite division between their views on this. And uh, I'd like to know what our callers and texters think as well. All right, 803-0930, star 930, the text number the same as the call-in, 716-803-0930. We'll be back to talk to you after this and news on WBEN. Welcome back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it is hardline here on news radio 930 wben you know i i know people don't like when you go back and uh analyze something but i i apologize in the last segment i had a question in mind and then I made the mistake, and I, I mention this all the time, I made the mistake of looking up at the text board as I'm thinking of that question, and that was why all of a sudden I could not come up with what the question was for Jeremy Zellner. So, Brenda, I just want to give a quick explanation. Joe, I'm here for you, bud. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. That's what we're here for. We're a team. We're the B team. It's Brenda, Alacy, and Joe Beamer on Hardline right up until high noon, and Joe, um, I found something that I that just came down from ESPN that I wanted to mention, and I know you're, like me, a huge sports fan, but I think this is way over the top. The NBA and the National Basketball Players Association are discussing plans to allow players the opportunity to wear a statement on social justice on the backs of their jerseys when the season restarts in Orlando in late July. I just think that is way over the top. 
Uh, people can make their, th there's so many ways to make their feelings known with social media and other platforms. I think this is way too much. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is something I talked about Friday. Not that, because uh, that's that's news to uh, news to me. But on Friday, hey, I understand, you know, you, are, uh, you have the platform, and you should be able to use that however you want. You want to campaign for a presidential uh, candidate. You want to use Twitter and Facebook. You want to go... Do outreach with um, outreach with communities and talk to community leaders. I'm all for that, but you know, a lot of people do use sports as a getaway. Uh, I just don't know how far we can go uh, before the game's not enjoyable. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the message. I'm not taking anything away from the movement. But uh, you know, sports for me are that getaway from reality. You know, I talked about this on Friday. Instagram used to be my getaway from reality. People put their vacation pictures and the picture of their food. But now, again, just like everything else, it's gotten political. You want to use your platform. You want to use your name. Do it, please. Go campaign for a candidate. Go use Twitter. Go buy time on TV. In your post-game interview, if you want to mention it, that's great, too. I just don't, during the game... You know, there's certain things I can't come to work and get off a script. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, Joe. Listen, I'm all about fighting systemic racism and, and things that are wrong and the injustices of the world. And what happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor was absolutely horrific. But to take it to this level now, but you know, the other thing that strikes me, too, is when I think about a guy like Lorenzo Alexander, who just retired from the Bills, and what he did for community outreach and really trying to uh, help people come together, whether it's through community action or setting up foundations, that's the way, I think, to stop some of the systemic racism and to bring communities together and to realize that black and white and any other ethnicity can work together. And, and really realize social change in that sense. When I see other players who make efforts to do that, there are you know, a long list of players, whether it's the Sabres, the Bills, or whatever, who have really tried to use their name in that way and their, their money and their influence. But to slap something on the back of your jersey, I think is ridiculous. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes and if other leagues pick up on it. Uh, we, we've seen somewhat of that in certain soccer leagues overseas. So we'll see what happens when the NBA restarts. Remember, baseball restarts a month from now, as well as the MLS starts about a week from tomorrow. So sports picking up safely here in the United States, Brenda. And, uh, you know, it's good to see on the sidelines uh, people wearing masks, you know, the uh, the officials. You, you watch these European leagues, and you've got the stadium crews wearing masks and the players getting tested two or three times a week. Right, right. And now you hear about some of the marquee players in different sports. For example, as you know, Joe, I'm a big uh, tennis fan, and Novak Djokovic and his wife tested positive. So it's not as if uh, if you're a young, fit athlete that you're immune to it. Well, it, uh, and Djokovic was kind of being a little irresponsible, too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Traveling to different tournaments and not being responsible. All right. And it goes to show you how virulent this virus is. I mean, it's really highly contagious, which to me is a big difference from the flu or a cold. Exactly. 803-0930, star 930. We've got some calls, and we are going to get to them, starting with Juanita in Tonawanda. Juanita, good morning. Oh, good morning to Brenda and Joe. Um, this comment has to do with, with the virus, and it may not pertain to anybody, but for us it was very um, 
heart sick for us. A dear friend and neighbor passed away, and um, we could not go to the funeral parlor because we have uh, multiple health injury, uh, uh, issues. My husband and I, we both have um, health issues. And uh, on second thought, we did not go to the uh, funeral home. But uh, a neighbor did go, and, she, and the person did come over and give me some information, you know, from the funeral home and prayer cards and so on. But she said it was packed. Needless to say, the funeral home was not keeping an eye on how many people were going in. Most everybody did have the mask on, but there was multiple, multiple, multiple people in there crowded into the um, the, the viewing room. As well, there was another um, viewing going on for another person who passed away. So that's my only comment. If people want to open up everything, they need to abide by the rules as well as the facility that you're going to. So that's my only comment. It was, you know, it just was heartbreaking for this person to pass away. But then needless to hear that there was numerous, numerous people. And um, there was no uh, guidance of how many people to go in, like it says in the newspaper, 25%. So Anita, in that case, did you feel almost relieved that you and your husband did not go to the wake? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And um, it's just just very sad. Um, So it makes you wonder who's who's following directions you know so that that's my only point calling in thank you so much we appreciate it and i'm sure there are many other situations like that too joe where um, people are kind of getting together where perhaps you're not wearing a mask or they're not six feet apart and you wonder will that create a spike in the virus you do you look at people you know meeting up with friends not wearing a mask. It's not who they've been quarantined with. And we'll see what happens. But I am interested. You know, you see Texas and Florida, right? They're pulling back on bars being open, but restaurants continue to be open. And I understand you wear a mask when you walk into the restaurant, but you're still meeting up with people you're not quarantined with. So I'd like to know if there was anything specifically they looked at that bars were where the place or the beaches where, where, were where these cases were spiking from. Right. And, you know, Joy, I had invited people to text in if they're in Florida listening. And somebody said that uh, they live in the villages, which is a community unto itself, if you know about the villages. Nothing has changed for us, according to the texter. All of our restaurants are still open, and we definitely keep our distance. And they even have a testing site on the premises at the villages. So it'll be quite interesting to see uh, how that community is affected, along with so many others in Florida and the other uh, hot spots. And I think that's another important point. You know, everyone talks about, well, when we reopen and we see more cases, the good thing is, if you're sick, you, you, there's a better chance you'll know now because anyone can go get a test. And then you realize, oh, I have COVID-19. I'm going to stay quarantined. And I think that's why more things will be able to open without a spike because we're all adults, Right. If we get sick with the flu, what do we do? We stay home. Well, the same as it goes the same with COVID. You know, you're not feeling well. You go get tested, realize you have it, well, stay home. And that'll also obviously stop the spread of COVID-19. Absolutely. So uh, curious to know how you reacted and what was it like if you went to church today, your house of worship, uh, wherever you may choose to worship? Was there a, a number of people who were limited in coming in, were they socially distant? Uh, Joe, I have not been to church since the pandemic hit. I don't know if you go, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how people are reacting to their houses of worship now that many have opened up again. 
That'll be interesting to hear and, you know, what was different from before the pandemic and the uh, the way things were distributed. That'd be uh, we'd love to hear from you. 803-0930. Let's go out to Eden and talk to Bill. Bill, good morning. Hey, Joel. One of the benefits of mask wearing is it might make you hear things better because some of those masks tend to pull your earlobes down on the outside. So you're, it's like cupping your hand to your ear a little bit. To, to hear. Well, we could all use a little uh, a better job of hearing, Bill. It makes you wonder, too, if, um, if you can demonstrate, like with a serology test, that you say someone that's had COVID or say there's a vaccine that's developed and you're immune, will those people then be exempted from having to wear a mask in public if everyone else that doesn't have that have to do so? I wonder. And um, as far as looking at the text board, Joe, it's, it's kind of like that Star Trek episode of the neural neutralizer that Captain Kirk looked up and they turned it on and he forgot what he was thinking about. So... Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, um, we were talking with Jeremy Zellner before, if I'm understanding right, he, isn't he both like the Erie County Democratic Chairman and the Board of Elections Commissioner? Yes. Because yes, it That's almost correct. seems like a little conflict of interest. If, if you want to, to make the comparison here, if you're going to ask like, uh, oh, Dracula, what are you doing there? And he's like, well, not only am I the blood sports party chairman, but I'm also head of the local chapter of the American Red Cross, you know. <laughs> Well, I think... You know, Bill, it, it reminds me of... Your, I know you're a pop culture guy, too. Do you remember that SNL skit where it was a dessert topping and a floor wax? Um, vaguely. <laughs> well, that was, that was another example. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, Jeremy is definitely wearing two hats here. Um, there hasn't been much call about it being a conflict of interest. Have you heard anything about that, Joe? No. To, to be fair, there's two commissioners. It is Jeremy Zellner and Ralph Moore. Oh, okay. So it, you got you have one from each uh, each party. Just the optics looked a little weird, and I, he obviously he is a very intelligent man. So, all right. Well, and I guess he and Ralph Moore really work well together too. Um, and it's it's nice to see some kind of bipartisanship, even if it's in that sense. One last thing about um, you were talking Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I know there's this new app that's kind of exploding out there called Parler or Parlay, depending on how you pronounce it. P A R L E R. Maybe Joe, you and Brenda might check that out. It's almost like. Twitter, but without the shadow banning and without the leftist uh, editing and stuff. Yeah, and the uh, all eyes are on President Trump if he will join this parlor because that could really shake up things in social media. Yeah. All right, Bill, thanks for the call. That's Bill in Eden opening the line for you. Uh, hey, Tom in Buffalo would like to talk about what Brenda brought up. Tom, good morning. Yeah, uh, that's interesting what Brenda just saw come down the pike from ESPN about the NBA players. The thing is, though, you could have seen this coming a mile away when the NFL and the uh, MLB and all the leagues started taking money from the Pentagon. And then they started making money off of things like breast cancer awareness, where they're keeping 90 cents of the dollar on all those products being sold. This was just coming down the pike. Eventually, everybody was going to get to use it. And now the NBA players get to use it. Um, I guess I'm a little unclear about the Pentagon connection. But what do, you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by what? You mentioned about the Pentagon. Yeah, the Pentagon paid the NFL to have all these, you know, support the troop things. And even though. Oh, okay. I got you. Even even like the flag ceremony of the beginning games didn't happen until like the 80s, late 80s. So you think they they pretty much opened the the spigot for other things to come down the pike? It it did. If one guy gets to put out his whatever he wants it to be throughout the leagues for advertising, the other guy gets to do it too. Breast cancer awareness. 90 cents on the dollar the NFL's keeping, and these leagues are keeping. That's, they sell pink merchandise. 
Yeah, that's outrageous. If that 90 cents is true, that uh, it really defeats the purpose of that and, and breaks my heart to hear that. Tom in Buffalo, thanks for the call. Let's keep on going. We'll talk to Abby in Tonawanda. Abby, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. A comment about Zellner about um, Joe Biden. I know Joe Biden's history. I'm 63. And uh, he's actually more like bungling Joe because in 1988, his first campaign run, he left it because he plagiarized his speeches from a British author. That's number one. So there is some liquidity of honesty right there. Number two, he voted against integrating the busing for schools, and it's on the voting record. Number three, and it's quite evident that he has a form of dementia. He's 77, and he's had two aneurysms. So God forbid he got elected, and then you had Kamara Harris as vice president. This nation would be subject to unbelievable unrest. I might also mention that Kamara Harris's personal life is she broke up a marriage because she had an affair with a gentleman. So once again, when you talk about the soul of the nation that the Democrats speak of, and Mr. Zellner says there's no leadership in the White House, look in your own closet. I might add that the endorsed candidates for the Democratic Party have to put up $10,000 to get the endorsement. If you're running for city court judge, you need to put up $50,000. So don't go down that avenue of soul and righteousness. Well, I mean, you know, I'm really surprised that the Democrats don't have a better candidate than Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> here you have a 77-year-old guy who's been in the system for a, a long time and has never been able to really secure that nomination until this year. Um, I think there are problems on both sides, though. I mean, you, if you want to play the moral game or the morality game, uh, the president of the United States paid for a porn star to keep quiet. So let's be fair on both sides of the aisle here. Totally accept that. However, I take the lesser of the two evil. And I, I would remind your listeners that Joe Biden's mentor was Ted Kennedy. Okay? I strongly suggest you never let them give you a ride to the beach. Well, I don't think that'll happen since uh, Ted Kennedy is dead, but I, I hear your point. Abby, thank you for the call. You know, Brenda, that's an interesting point. You look at Joe Biden, and you look at how packed the field was. It's kind of like in 2016, you know, how Jeb, uh, Jeb Bush was supposed to be the Republican candidate. And it obviously didn't work out. Donald Trump became the candidate. But this entire time, it was going to be Joe Biden, right? You looked at all the Democrat candidates— and now we're seeing what may, might have happened if the not-so-exciting candidate had won in 2016. Yes, Joe Biden has the, quote, poll numbers now. But, you know, you said this to Jeremy. It looks like they're scared to have him even come out and speak to the media. Well, the whole joke about him, you know, Biden in the basement, I think is real. I think that in some ways the pandemic has helped him because he's not at rallies, he's not making a lot of public appearances where he could potentially make one of his famous gaffes. So uh, I, I just, you know, you've heard me say this many times over the past several months, Joe, when you and I host this show, that I never had the feeling that Biden's heart was in this. Uh, but it, I think it's almost like a process of elimination. They don't seem to be able to find a good, strong candidate to run on the Democratic line. And so, okay, we'll go with Joe Biden again kind of the tried and true, you know, let Joe do it kind of feeling. And that, uh, I think, is why you see him uh, coming out to speak only when he has to. And it seems to me it's more reaction than anything. 
Uh, he came out to talk about masks only after the president and vice president were not wearing masks. I don't see him taking a lead role in anything. It's more of a reactionary thing. Well, and, and, and I that's, don't think that's a coincidence. I think he's doing that on purpose. That seems to be their game plan, right? Get Joe Biden. That's what I'm saying. Hide right. him Absolutely. because Donald Trump will make the mistakes to give Joe Biden the support. That seems to be the game plan. And if you believe the polls, if you look at the polls now, it seems to be working. But Brenda, we've been here before. We were here in 2016. Uh, and you see what happens down the, down the stretch toward the election when one candidate is nowhere to be seen and the other one, who, again, might not be the most likable person, but, hey, says good things uh, running for election and has acted on many of those things, and he's doing four to five shows a day. We saw how that played out in 2016. Again, this is my opinion. I think we're going to see something very similar to that in 2020. I don't believe those poll numbers are going to stay where they are from now until November. Well, and who knows? I mean, look at what we were talking about. Here we are the last Sunday in June, Joe, and the, the election seems a far, seems far off, but in reality, it really isn't. Uh, and yet things can change in a moment. I mean, who would have ever thought we'd be talking about a pandemic and uh, systemic uh, problems throughout the country with police brutality and racial unrest and what's happening with our society uh, a year ago? Nobody would have ever predicted this. So who knows what will happen in the next four or five months? Yeah, you know, every week, uh, every week is must uh, must see, right? It, it, <laughs> no the, doubt. I mean, it's never boring because you never know what's going to happen. No, who would have thought? At, in who would have thought when the impeachment was going on that that would have been in June the least talked about thing heading up to the election? Right, right. That's the thing. I mean, you never know what's going to knock the headline off for the next big crisis. And um, a texter writes in about examples of systemic racism. I'd love to get into that maybe next week, Joe. We could talk about what that is and, and what the definition is, because I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, and I appreciate the texter asking about that, about what are examples of it and what does it mean? And I think that we can all contribute to that. And perhaps, Joe, we could get um, somebody on to talk about uh, definitions of racism. Definitely something to look into because, as I've been saying, Brenda, we have all these distractions. We have all of these, uh, you know, one party blaming the other party and, and back and forth making everything a political statement. And we seem to fail to actually have the conversation we need to have. That seems to never, we never get to that point. It always turns into a political statement or it always turns into attacking one presidential candidate over the other. Instead of putting politics aside, putting the people who are in the White House or running for the White House aside and just having a conversation where you, you, you give your examples, you talk about you know, what needs to be addressed and address it and everyone else just listens. And then when, you're, when they're done, you have your turn. Instead of this talking over each other, the conversations get so far away from what's actually important. What a novel idea to actually listen to somebody. And if you disagree, hey, you and I disagree on politics a lot, Joe, but we're still friends and we're still partners on the air. And, uh, you know, we can have a, a discussion with each other without turning it into personal attack. And I think it's so important and it's something that we are lacking here in this country. No doubt about it. In fact, in many families, they, they can't even come together because of the, the division in the families. And it's sad. Um, so many divisions in the world. And it, I just hope that we can kind of foster that awareness that it's okay to disagree. And that's why, you know, we try to have balance on this show. We had Nick Langworthy in hour one, Jeremy Zellner in hour two. 
and it's good to get different points of view and try to educate ourselves on what people are thinking. Exactly. Hey, coming up next is Meet the Press. Governor Andrew Cuomo makes an appearance about 15 minutes in, so you won't want to miss that. He talked to Chuck Todd. Brenda and I will be back next Sunday. Brenda, you have a great week. Enjoy the spectacular weather, Joe, and thanks to everybody who listened, called, and texted in. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow here on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 